0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's
3: nine. Hello and welcome to podcast like it's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the fills of 1999 from the pitchers mound at Yankee Stadium here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. and I'm Phyllis and with us today, as promised, screen draft listeners. It's my friends. It's my friends from the baseball podcast we've all made up, and uh, we've decided. <laughs> We've decided, uh, you, you, we've decided unanimously Brian Cogman was the villain of that draft. So, uh, as always. Yes, and then Ryan yes. Marker is also a villain in general. Uh, Amanda Smith, Billy Ray Bruton, thank you guys so much for coming back or on the pod. And Amanda, I believe this is your first time on this the is, pod. It is. Thanks
0: for having uh, me. Oh oh God,
3: amazing. Great to be so back.
0: All. Great to be back.
2: I, so when you guys, I listened to the baseball draft that you guys did, which, which it varied from contentious to loving it was a real emotional roller coaster i feel like um but i do feel as as i was listening to it i texted kenny and i was like i mean obviously billy ray billy ray and amanda have to come on for for love of the game uh uh, you know a, a baseball movie that kind of doesn't really exist in the baseball pantheon would you say like does this movie even clock really in in oh. you guys, I mean, I don't know. What do you, what do you? How did, where does this movie fall in baseball movies for you guys?
1: I feel like this is one of those ones that because of when it falls in 1999, as we've like yeah. gone through the the kind of climax of great baseball films, like baseball movies hit their peak. I think unequivocally in the 80s to early 90s, and then you get this movie as sort of a also ran 1999. <laughs> no one's really thinking about it. It's got big dad and you know boomer dad energy. Oh yeah, and so I think it's under the radar for a lot of people, despite you know easily hitting you know being it's it's in the trifecta of Kevin Costner, the, the Kevin Costner baseball trilogy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But because of when it falls when you know coming up in 1999, when we have very much moved away from that as a as sports movies as a genre, you don't you know it kind of gets lost. It's a footnote for most people.
2: Well, is this and that kind of this is my question I have for you guys too. Is Kevin Costner our greatest baseball actor?
0: Oh, without question,
1: unequivocally, yeah.
0: <laughs> Who's <laughs> close? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can. I don't think you can really argue that. I think, I think he. I think he's certainly done more for the genre than anybody else has. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now I will. So I'm wondering, has anybody else seen the upside of anger? Because this is what's been bugging oh. me. Because in my mind, I've always thought of Kevin Costner as a baseball trilogy trilogy two. But doesn't he play a retired baseball player in Upside of Anger? So is he, yes, is he, a, he, he, no, he
3: he does. So that's interesting because I, I guess that's it's really only three stages, right? He he never plays the nuclear rouge. no nuclear louche no. type. Uh, no. But that's- uh, upstart guy, it's always it's it's old guy who yeah. never made it to the game or barely yeah. made it to the show. Yeah. It's it's old guy who was never going to do it, but was just a big fan and was, you know, friends with his dad or wanted to be friends with his dad. It's old guy who was, you know, Justin Verlander. Hi, Luke, who is Justin Verlander. And uh, as his career is winding down. And then sure. you're right. It's it's old guy who now is trying
2: yeah. to figure it. He, he's never in the pocket. He's never like the guy who was killing
3: it.
1: Well, yeah. I think who's that the, kind of speaks partly to... The, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, no. Oh. I was just saying, who's the best in the in the pocket baseball actor? Who's the best... Well, that's that's
2: I mean, or sports. I mean, this is the thing too. 99's a weird year for sports movies. We've talked about this a little bit, Kenny, but like we're talking any given Sunday, play, play it to the bone, Mystery Alaska, this movie, The Hurricane.
3: Uh, I mean yeah, there's there are a few. I um,
2: he loses another one. Yes, that's a good
3: point. Yeah, yeah. they're out it's there.
2: Just, yeah, they're out there. But but I think to Amanda's point, it did feel a little bit like the sports movie was waning.
3: Yeah, of yeah. course. The '90s sports movie was waning, yeah. right? I mean, play to the bone doesn't count. Um, <laughs> not a real movie. Uh, Mystery Alaska and and for Love of the Game feel like movies that should have been made five or six years prior. Correct. Correct. And I would argue that. Uh, any given Sunday and even varsity blues are movies that would have been better served being made in the aughts. I think they were a little ahead of their time. Um, So yeah, I think that this is, you know, look to me, I watch this movie and I feel like it's pitched as Forrest Gump uh, meets Jerry Maguire on the Mount. I think that like, that's what they're trying to get at. And I think, yeah, I think I, that's
0: fair. I think that's a fair comparison of this. And I, yeah. I, apart from the film being sort of a fascinating, in terms of like where it comes out or what, you know, year it's out, I also feel like it's fascinating the extent of where it comes in Sam Raimi's filmography. Oh, yeah. Because again, such,
1: such yeah. an unexpected, such I mean, a
0: bizarre thing. He goes interview. from arguably, in my mind, Maybe his best film in terms of maybe not my this favorite, critically but his best sure. film, yes. A Simple Plan. And it also, yes. you know, sandwiched between that and The Gift, which I also enjoy and think is a wild movie. Like, this movie, seems yeah. like a real interesting pivot for him between those two films and just smack dab in his career. And, well, I, and I it's would, also...
2: It's, I agree 100%. It's what, What's fascinating about this run that he's in at this point in his career, where it's like quick and the dead, a simple plan for love of the game, the gift, you can see that he's trying to kind of push himself out of the preconceived kind of, you know, uh, under-cranked horror type stuff that he was yeah. doing, obviously, up until that point. And then he gets Spider-Man, and it's yeah. just kind of which, is, which plays to all of his strengths in, in that regard. But You have to wonder if he doesn't get Spider-Man where his career kind of goes from there. Because I agree The Gift is an interesting movie. I'm not sure that it totally works. But I do think that there's a lot of really interesting stuff in it. And A Simple Plan is a straight up great movie. Um, But this movie just falls in between those. And I I just, there's this quote of his as to why he did this film. He said, "Um, I simply was moved by the screenplay. It was moving and simple. And I love baseball. I love baseball. And I thought it hadn't really been put on film Which I think is insane yeah. uh, I wanted to see it on the
3: widescreen format what I, think I, see what he, I see what he's saying though Sure the I thought ba- that the would baseball be exciting for the like, audience like, About as, yeah. We,
1: yeah, we don't see This yeah, is half yeah. of a baseball game And you don't see half of baseball like, That's a, a bold yes. choice
3: Yes, yes I'd also say I think the, the, we, the three of us Have yes. watched more baseball movies Than anybody <laughs> on the internet, I think <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> out of fair. all the baseball movies I've seen, this is the best baseball.
1: Oh, hundred percent. This, yeah. yeah, I think that what's interesting when you look at Sam Raimi's filmography is that while he was, it, this was his version of a director deciding to do genre films. This little period of time for Sam Raimi, and like where most directors would be like, "Well, I've done the safe things. I'm going to go genre." Sam Raimi kind of goes for this little span of time where he's like, "Well, let's see what happens." if I branch out and do some real, you know, some genre films, except for him, genre films are like super straightforward. (laughs) Um, And I do think to a degree, that's kind of how we end up with this. I don't know that he was the right director for this.
2: Well, he wasn't Actually, the original director for this, yeah. which is interesting. It was, was it, it was Sydney Sidney Pollock yeah. with Tom Cruise, which that
1: is, is interesting.
2: Ins- well, Tom
1: insane. Cruise is an
3: insane choice. <laughs> an insane choice. <laughs> well, I mean, I've seen Sidney more of the Poll- world, yeah. so I know this guy cannot throw a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that it's- is the most painful scene in movie history. Tom, Tom Cruise having a catch with his son in War of the Worlds before no. it, you, Amanda, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. No,
1: I know it's that. And Susan Sarandon swinging a baseball bat in um Boulder oh God, are Boulder, like two of uh, the yeah. most the it's so oh, you've never played this sport yeah. before. Moments, yeah, which is crazy because Tom Cruise is such an athletic. He is a a physically athletic actor. He, he yeah. does the weird run. He does all the stunts. The man can has never picked up a baseball in his life.
3: No,
2: it's crazy. Never. I, I I will say, though, having just recently done Random Hearts, Kenny and I can speak to Sidney Pollock in 1999, and, and I, I would have rather seen him direct this than Random Hearts. That's a low bar, but I just think that... He would have blown this, too. He probably would have blown this, too. I, I mean, but this movie is, I mean, I, I say this with all respect, this movie's glorious. This movie is... Mm-hmm. it's two and a half hours long if, if 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 they had cut 20 minutes out of this film it would have done it so there's so much air in this movie it just feels so
3: glacial i, I, in I its have pace. a point i want to make about this please please uh, 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 so, uh, so many points but one point i really want to make is yeah i think this format is basically bulletproof i think it is i so. am fucking crazy I love the
2: organizing Mm -hmm. principle of this. I
3: I am crazy about it. Now I get it was you came from a novel and it's very, you know, novelistic and that makes sense. But like as a movie to to me, one of the weirdest things that's happened in cinema over the last 30 years is that the the novel and brilliant idea of Groundhog Day, something that I would be too embarrassed and ashamed to steal has been stolen dozens of time now, so much so that there is a thing called the time loop movie and people don't even care anymore. If this was successful, this idea of let's take something that is happening in real time in a character's life and go back beat, beat by beat by beat by beat, something that is, you know, constructed like a baseball game with innings or a football game with quarters or whatever and do it, it would have been stolen over and over and over again. So I think that like, This is, I don't want to say it's the worst possible version. I don't even think this is a bad movie. I actually like this movie. But this is, this could have been such a fucking grand slam, pardon the pun.
1: Yeah, Uh, it's, I I watched this movie for the first time several years ago, and I watched it, it was like late at night. It was a not optimal time to watch it. (laughs) And I remember thinking at the time when I first saw it, this would be a perfect movie without the love story. And so going back, I was like, maybe that's different. Maybe it was just because it was like, you know, 11.30 at night when I started this film. And by the time it was 2 a.m., I was done. No, without the love story, this is a perfect... Like, if you could... My dream is to have the edit that includes flashbacks related to his baseball career, has nothing... You don't even see Ke- Kelly Preston appears yeah. a couple times. You're like, oh, cute blonde. Don't think about it again. Not because she's bad, just because that storyline is so boring and tells us nothing new or interesting about him as a character. And that's well, my or, thing. Or
0: her. That yeah. Oh, and-
1: well, she's a cipher. I mean, as yeah, women, like yeah. women almost always loves, love interest in these kinds of films where it's about the man's journey are almost always a cipher. And that's fine. She has a couple moments where you're like, that could be an interesting character, but she means nothing. We never see how she integrates with the wags. We never see anything yeah. about her story. So why we don't need her?
0: Yeah, yeah. I I would I would agree hundred percent with that. I like you, Kenny. I I like this film. Uh, I actually like it a lot, with flaws and all. I actually that's how I feel. I actually my preparation for this was not really to re- dive into the rewatch of this. It was mm. to read the book, which I did. Oh, interesting. And um and it is like I was shocked at how. I mean, it is the book. I mean, it is very much the book on screen, other than the fact that in the book, they're the Atlanta Hawks versus the new york yankees they make up a baseball team to go against the real baseball team that's
3: also a basketball team's real name exactly it's weird
0: weird that
1: they go up against the yankees because normally you do that for clearance purposes and you have the whole teams all the teams not being real which is why i've never written a baseball story it's too hard to think of a really good baseball
3: (laughs) no you can you you can do it that's all bullshit by the way you you are allowed to do it i i you you won't even get sued it is like this like it is this it is this like uh weird kind of cloud that actually has no storm inside of it. You can use real teams. Okay.
1: Great. Would, I'm writing my romance novel. <laughs> <I> now, <wonder,
0: laughs> I wonder what this film would have been if it would have been directed by, say, Ron Underwood. Because at least Ron Underwood has a tendency to give agency to his female characters. And this film... I'm not, I've never, no, I obviously don't want to speak ill of the, the Departed. I've never been the biggest Kelly Preston fan, but this is not her Wait. fault. She is, she is, her character is she's given The nothing. Departed? I'm confused. She's, she's, no no. Yeah, she's, she's no longer with us. She's no longer with yeah. us. She oh, passed I'm sorry. away. And so, um, but but <laughs> she, like, that, her character. Thank you for your condolences, Phil. <laughs> <yeah>. My apologies. <laughs> you used the word cipher, which is correct. I could have and, sworn
3: like, it was Vera Vermiga.
0: Her character does not exist <laughs> in I'm any blessed. way to, no. like, her character does not exist in any way to challenge the Kevin Costner character, really. And like, it would have been no. so much more interesting if that relationship had had any kind of like kineticism or, or it just it just doesn't. It feels like it feels so flat, and well, so much of the film revolves around that romance. And it's like, yes, give us more baseball. Like the yeah. baseball is the exciting stuff. It's what we want. Like I could have done with like two scenes with Kelly Preston, but and I, it would I, have been fine.
2: Yeah. I, I do want to say this. Originally, it was supposed to be Annette Benning, which I think is an interesting choice. I don't know that it would have necessarily worked either. That
1: would have been a more age-appropriate choice.
2: It would have been age-appropriate, which which obviously would be nice. Um, I just, you know, Kenny and I covered uh, Message in a Bottle a few months ago, the other Kevin Costner 1999 movie. I I know where you're going, and you're right. It should be Robin Wright. If Robin Wright had been in this, um, the... Again, I I don't mean to, it's just Kelly Preston just is not has never really been a co lead, yeah. And
0: I and it's uh, a lot on her, and I just don't know that. Kev, it, it I was yeah. thinking I was thinking Diane Lane the whole time. I was like, why also, is Diane Lane not in? Yeah, yeah Billy yeah. I mean, When
1: you said Ron, by the way, I thought you were going to say Ron Howard. Yeah, same, when you said director, yeah. and I was like, that's if this movie were made today, that's hundred percent who would direct us. And yeah, I think sure. he's the most. I I happen to find his movies, his directing is very competent.
3: Very competent. Very competent. We like him too. We like him too. No, I
1: I wouldn't say like. I would say... (laughs) My feeling about Ron Howard is sort of my feeling about like a chicken dinner. I'm like, well, if it's Ron, no matter how well this chicken is cooked, it's still going to be chicken. Yeah, yeah.
3: He's and- a he's a he's a two eighty hitter, station mm-hmm. to station runner. He's not gonna yeah. make he's not yeah. gonna take the extra base and get thrown out at home. I know this guy. Yeah,
1: he's yeah. my number he's my number four. In the I'm also
2: kind of surprised Ron Howard hasn't made a baseball movie. Like he, he seems like a so baseball movie guy, right? Yeah. Like just to give you the all-American yeah. yeah, like, yeah. That's anyway, yeah.
3: Well, I do like well, I do like Ron Howard, and I think he so would have made Hey, I think this. I think what you what you're saying, Amanda. I want Mm -hmm. to kind of piggyback. Is this is a uh, sub competent movie? Yes. And I think that Ron Howard would have given you, again, to keep the baseball puns going, your replacement player (laughs) (laughs) level performance, Mm -hmm. which is what Ron Howard literally is in Hollywood. When fucking mm-hmm. Lord and Miller gets hired, you bring in the replacement player you mean, but yeah. <laughs> ha- fired. You bring in the replacement <laughs> player to, to to bring the thing home because you yeah. know he's not going to f- to fuck it up. I think Ron Howard's a good one. I think the other one, the other Ron that we should discuss is Ron Shelton, who I said Ron
0: I, Underwood I, and I meant Ron Shelton. Oh, that okay. was, uh, that was oh, okay. my that, that yeah, more Ron sense was Ron Underwood was that's a deep cut. Sense. I was like, Ron yeah, yeah, I was it. just letting I was letting it go. I meant Ron Shelton. That's my bad. Yes, that's one.
3: Ron Shelton even uh, played to the bone in his 1999 movie, which is a yeah. complete mess. Is yeah. uh, is 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 all kind of like jagged edges, and like he pushes the sex stuff too far in a weird direction. But it was needed in this movie a little more. Oh, uh, yeah. And like his, his who, who what was his name Ron Shelton's wife? The um, oh, uh, Lolita Davidovich. Davidovich. Yeah. Lolita Davidovich would have been a good person for this because La, yeah, Lolita, Lolita Davidovich yeah. immediately pushes like that's her thing she yeah. pushes these these men out of their comfort zones
2: yeah. and that would well, be
3: exciting there's just no
2: crackle there's no electricity as you as you said billy ray earlier like there's just between kevin costner kevin costner needs someone that's going to kind of make him up his game a little bit. Yeah. And I think that, unfortunately, Kelly's not pushing him.
3: Look at his best movies. The the, the women in his movies are some of the best written women in sports characters. Amy Amy Madigan and Susan Sarandon and... uh, Joan Allen in Upside of Anger. Joan Allen. I think Robin Wright in uh, in 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 Message Message in the Bottle. I consider that to be like the great missed, like, three three movie like romance thing. They just have incredible chemistry. He really needs someone to like kick his ass. Well,
1: that's why the Ron Shelton choice is such a good one because Ron Shelton has successfully written a woman who can step to his level. And I think that that's what, what she's missing. So what was it? Jane in this movie. Jane Jane is missing in this movie is, is the mischievousness that you need to have kind of, you need to have as a counterbalance to Kevin Costner. You need to have a mischievous yeah. somebody who not necessarily brings a lightness and that's what people mistake it for it's not that you need someone who's light and fluffy to counteract his heaviness you need someone who's yeah. mischievous to counteract his his intellect and that's where this misses um and that's what you get with like his wife in um field of dreams
3: yeah she's right? yeah. 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 yeah 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 But no
1: but like the character itself is
3: yep. the fire, a firecracker
1: yeah, yeah she's not much of a character. we don't learn a lot about her, but every time she's on, we see an intellectual mischievousness that counteracts his heaviness, and that is what we're missing in this in this dynamic for the romance and it's just like great, so why and especially the, like finding like finding out early on that she's yet another blonde it's just like what is yeah. what are we doing the with secret guy?
3: sauce yeah the secret sauce of fill the dreams is that those two people like listen. It, and you and can there totally something up, there's something about their chemistry that isn't even sexual that is on a like it's on a soulmate level
1: yeah
3: um that you know i mean susan sarandon and kevin costner is entirely sexual right Yes. and maybe they get to the point where they start connecting on a soulmate level but like they are any, and then i mean yeah they're literally sharing dreams
0: and then upside
3: of, of that and then you've got upside of anger which i keep
0: coming back to because now it's just pervading in my head, but you've got them who essentially they can't stand one another Mm -hmm. yet. They still, they love each other, but they can't stand one another. And
3: I'm in a marriage. I get it.
0: Yeah. Like those are like, yeah. Like those are the dynamics you want to see. And and, you know, I, they build this out to be, they want this to feel like an epic love story. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the whole thing. They yes. want this to feel like an yeah, epic yeah. love story. It's hard to have an epic love story without epic performances.
3: How is it is in the book? Possible. How is it, does it feel like that in the book?
0: Yeah, the, the book does an amazing job of like actually creating the love story. and And the book is a love story as much as it's a baseball movie. And this wants to be that. But, again, like, you just don't have the two central performances that can create that kind of tornado of energy that's going to give you that. It's just very bland. It's very <laughs> flat. And, you know, treakly is the best word. It's a little trickly. I, I don't know how Jane was written in the
2: book because obviously I haven't read it. But I'll just say that in this, I found her deeply inconsistent as well. Mm-hmm. I. So she's a Cosmo writer or something along those lines. Um, we find out about her teenage daughter way deep into the movie. Um,
3: in, a, in, a, in a very unsatisfying. In a very way. way. It's my daughter. It's, yeah, it's odd. Uh, it's, it's like the end of Back to the Future too. <laughs> no, no. And the end of Back to the Future 1. It's not you, Marty. It's your kids. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. So you find out she is a kid.
2: But when you meet her, she seems to be sort of this kind of spark pluggy and by that I mean like on the side of the road uh her car doesn't work and she's wearing
3: glasses and I mean so it's, it's all kind but of it, like and a know, short dress like there is something dress. there 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 is something like very creepy about the way this whole thing yeah absolutely
2: and you is. also for a movie that that uh has this organizing principle of 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 his game I actually don't really know the duration of time that they were together You do it. Five years. Yeah. Right. But but again, like so she's got a kid when they meet, right? Mm -hmm. Because the it it just all the timeline of it all just kind of of their relationship is wonky. And
0: And that's a total fabrication because that character does not exist in the book. So daughter. the daughter is a total fabrication. Okay. One of the best parts of the movie.
1: Yeah.
2: That's Jenna Malone, by the way. Always great.
0: yeah, Yeah. 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 And but it's What's, it's
2: it's very odd to me that and I don't mean to make this engender, but like Dana Stevens writes this screenplay, and I do feel like this female character is is just kind of all over the place. Now, I don't know if that's just studio notes and things that were outside of you know her purview, whatever, but I just I wanted to root for Jane's character, but I felt like between the writing and between Kelly Preston's performance, it just made it very hard.
3: I missed it.
1: Well, I think one of the things when you're looking at this script and what the script is trying to tackle it's this is a movie that was trying to tackle too much. And sure. it is a movie yeah. that has a beautiful love story in it and that beautiful love story is between him and the game. Well, him in the game but also him <laughs> and his catcher. Yes. So there's, yeah. There's such a beautiful love story and friendship between him and several players that yes, we never totally get to see. Yes, totally agree. There's so much I would have loved to have driven have seen more of the Sam Tuttle rivalry. And yep. why they don't like each other. There's so much backstory in his, in his Dad, life so as a right. player. I totally that, agree with you. And I wanted, to, like, I wanted to see him starting to catch with Gus. Yeah. You know, when yep. you like, think about the importance of a battery in this movie, like, you guys compare this to um, aging Justin Verlander, which is true. But for me watching this, it's always for me been Clayton Kershaw. Watching right this now, film, yeah. I have. But even when I watched it initially, because when I first watched it, Kersh hadn't thrown his, his no-hitter no yet, which was one error away from a perfect game. And watching this and hearing Vince Scully call it, call it was really that aspect of it was incredibly emotional for me because I was like, this might be the only time I hear Vince Scully call a, call a perfect game. Um, but
3: you weren't his, alive in 1955.
1: I was not. Oddly enough, I, if I had a time <laughs> machine, that would be Hitler. Who cares? I'm going back. <laughs> <You're years. that. laughs> Like it's that, and then I'm hopping over to 1963 for Koufax, and then I'm marrying Koufax and staying in 1963.
3: It's right. He is handsome. Day. I agree.
1: Oh, mean God! My parents have always said, I you know, they, my parents want me to marry a nice Jewish boy, and I will. Well, now they're
3: great. They're like, great Jewish ballplayers again.
1: I know. <laughs> I'm too young. They're tall for me. No.
3: The, the window. Yeah, I don't know. I,
1: I would have to cougar a lot of these guys. But anyway, the point of this is um, <laughs> the point of this is that Clayton Kershaw for much of his career Mm -hmm. had a very, very close relationship with his, he had his personal catcher, AJ Ellis. And that relationship and that friendship was incredibly pivotal in his development as a player, his development Mm -hmm. as a person, so many different things. And so watching this relationship that he has with Gus, I was like, that's, that's the story I want. I want to see Gus. You can't cast John C. Riley have him immediately just fall into this perfect dynamic with Kevin Costner. Mm -hmm. And then, not give us more of that and not give yeah. us that. That's the story of that I want. That's the journey where that matters and why I will in the end go, oh yes, he should retire.
3: Every, it's- everything you said is is 100% dead on. I mean, when you're talking, when you hear all baseball players, I you know, I think I mentioned on the podcast or something, I interned for the Mets and uh, we would have all the old ball players there all the time. Um, and when you hear them talk, they always talk about not the games, not the thing that it's, It's I miss the camaraderie of the locker room. I miss being on the Mm -hmm. bus with the guys. I It's, and what you're saying, what you're picturing, Amanda, would be such an incredible movie, a love letter to the game, but not really about like, you Mm -hmm. know, the field of dreams, the smell of, you know, grass in your nose thing. It's the actual, like, It's actually the smell of like the fucking you know uh, locker room, locker room, which like yeah, I think people do get weirdly sentimental about.
1: So I would argue that's why Bull Durham is such a perfect film. That's why I mean you know going back to the draft, that's why for me that's that's my number one baseball movie because it's a movie about it does what this movie can't, which is it does balance a love story with a man's love story with the game and a love story between players. It balances these three things perfectly um you get that sort of hangout film aspect with bull durham where you get the the, you know the long drives on the bus and um you know the guy crash or nuke playing trying to play the song and getting all the lyrics wrong Mm -hmm. the the moment on the field where where they have a rain out you know Mm -hmm. where 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 crash causes rain out you get all those moments to really see that but then you also do get the love story you do get a very full feeling of a love story and you get the sort of player in his twilight trying to make a decision about going forward and the fact that again going back your point about Ron Shelton Ron Shelton nailed that as nailed getting all those different aspects whereas this movie doesn't
3: Ron Shelton was a baseball player right? you know Ron Shelton was a minor league baseball player so he you know knows better than anybody that that's really what he misses but uh we should talk about the draft I'm just kidding
1: (laughs) (laughs) I will say I would redraft this movie differently. Like having now watched it a second time, I would actually, I I was, I would, I would put it higher. Yeah. I would put it on my list. Probably. I don't know. I don't have my list anymore. I don't know where I would. I loved your
3: 10 and 11 though.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't remember any of where anything goes the minute, honestly, the minute that I do something, it's like that's all on I'm, RAM and it's yeah. gone. Yeah, I I I gotta keep that space in there specifically to remember every song from the '90s that played on K Rock and Star 98.7 in Los Angeles. Yeah, no, no, that's
0: re- that's reasonable. I get that. Yeah. Well, you. That's know, what, I'm you actually. I'm look I'm currently looking up. I'm currently <laughs> looking it up on Letterboxd.
3: I do well, I want know, to say this. I know though. she uh, played "Everybody Loves Some" in one of those spots.
1: I did. I oh, I would and, still okay. keep "Everybody Loves Some" on that list. Here Me it is. Too. I would probably, much as I love it, I would probably swap out Mr. 3000
3: it didn't well, make the list
0: <laughs> very quickly
1: oh, no, my personal my personal list. oh my, my you, per- you. not your guys's list i don't give a well, shit about the draft the final draft who gives a oh, shit about course, that my
0: definitive list
3: well, that's what matters yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey,
0: dude, just so people know very quickly just so people know what we're talking about in the draft i'm gonna very uh-huh. quickly run it down 11 was everybody wants some 10 was money ball nine was sugar eight was damn yankees seven was the natural six was the bad news bears five was the Scout. Four was eight men out, three was a league of their own, two was major league, and one was field of dreams.
3: Perfect list, right, Billy Ray? Ridiculous.
2: Well, with hindsight, Ridiculous.
0: hindsight's yes. 2020. Now looking back, you know, there are some changes that I would make. My number one would still be my number one, but it is kind of crazy that Bull Durham isn't on the list. Of yes. course, list. It's, of course <laughs> it's crazy
3: <laughs> that Bull Durham isn't on the list. Of course it's crazy. But you feel free to listen to my Patreon with, uh, with Ryan Marker defending was- the draft. It's an, an- I will... I, I believe Bull Durham What episode didn't make was, was that We it that was a, it we, was, was, we, did, we did it was when we did the Razzies but oh, we, the he Razzies, put that part course, on course. Yeah. Patreon I defended the the draft I defended why Bull Durham isn't on the list and uh and it's not my fault
0: <laughs> <I'll> just, uh,
2: <laughs> I just I'll say this though I want to I want to piggyback <laughs> on Amanda's point about um how this movie should have been recalibrated more towards the players you know, one of the relationships in this movie that feels like so much edited up on the editing room floor is the, is the Davis relationship. The, uh, the, 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 who gets one scene, one sort of flashback scene. Um, and, and a couple moments where, uh, where Billy's kind of pitching to him and kind of dealing, grappling with some of their relationship, but it it feels so surface. Mm -hmm. Um, you know i wish that we got more of that i wish that to your point this movie just found a better calibration in terms of the romance i really think they just thought love's in the title romance like we can do this and it's just they're adapting
3: a novel but like yeah i know but but you
1: can adapt a novel and pull out you can pull out the spine of a novel regardless i think of course i'm not
3: i'm not saying i'm not defending i'm saying that they didn't they you know they didn't re re like reverse engineered and say for like they're I I'm imagining this movie where the you know the movie ends with him being hoisted off the mound instead of whatever happened for the next 15 minutes after which oh was my just god incredible. in the airport yeah um but uh that would have been lovely that would have yeah, been that. lovely yeah. Inappropriate. Like, like,
1: or I, him, him leaving the locker room for the last time. Yeah. Yeah. Give or, or, me, or ha- give me him walking out of the locker room, F, you know, and realizing this is the last time I he's going to do happened. that.
3: Or how I about,
0: about how about you have him, how about you have him in the game? How about you build up this expectation that he's going to go meet her and he just meets Gus at a bar for a drink? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a good way to end
3: it too. Like, you wouldn't even have her in it. I, yeah, I think you about, don't, like, it's, you it's, don't need it. They're, they're, you know, it's not the world's greatest movie, but is it is probably the world's greatest version of this type movie. Uh, this yeah No, Quash- no, I'm, I'm pitching something else. I'm talking about something else. Like a 4 quadrant family movie inspirational to Rudy. And Rudy ends with Rudy being lifted off yeah. the fucking field. Yeah. That's what there is no love story in that movie. It is just this is this is this guy's singular journey to do this thing yeah. he's tried to do. And like when you said, Amanda, your Clayton Kershaw thing, my thing is you know, as a Mets fan from the 80s and 90s, is Dwayne Gooden pitching his no hitter in Yankee Stadium in the mid 90s. And it's the same kind of thing. But the Dwayne Gooden story, if they did this with Dwayne Gooden, is not about he's been romantically involved with. It's about like all the, the obstacles he overcame at every step to get back into baseball right to get there in the first place and then he be, you know had a cocaine problem and then he had arm problems and he got arrested and there's all these things and it was a miracle that he was standing on that mound in Yankee Stadium with no hitter and I think that I the, want to see that movie. It, it's made well I I've pitched it people don't want to make it. Uh I I've made I uh, it's <laughs> now I'm gonna make it again. Every time I pitch it, I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And I'm like, no one wants to make it, no one cares about the I just I feel like you, you, you speak of the
2: injury. Um this movie has a very strange injury. Oh my god. One, uh that that I that he, he's, <laughs> he, he, he cuts oh, his hand sawing. That's wood. based on
3: real life too. That's no, I, Bobby I, I Ojeda, a Mets pitcher, cut his fucking hand on a uh like like on a lawnmower. Yeah, like that. And also the uh, the ball off the head is based on a real thing. Like it's just. But like, (laughs) I just
1: don't know that this man would use power tools, but also I don't know that his contract would allow him to use power tools. I feel like having don't use a table saw is probably built right the fuck into any contract a pitcher has
3: (laughs) that didn't stop Jeff Kent from playing basketball. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, so I do want to give a little Call bit of context did. very quickly for people who haven't seen the film 40 uh, year old pitcher, Billy Chapel is practicing as practically that is a dinosaur by professional baseball standards fast approaching the end of his career. But as Chapel stands at the mound pitch of the game of his life, his thoughts don't turn to his prized history in sports, but rather return again and again to his tumultuous relationship with Jane Aubrey, a single mother who stood at his side through good and bad, but is now on the verge of leaving him for love of the game opened on September 17th. 1999 in second place uh, behind Blue Streak uh, against the Sixth Sense, Stigmata, and Stir of Echoes. Uh, It would go on to make $46 million on a $50 million budget. It's got 46% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 75% from audiences, which I find sort of surprising. Um, Roger Ebert gave the film one and a half stars. Oh, God. for Love of the Game is about the kinds of people who give the wrong answers. It's the most, uh, it's the most soppy love story in, a, in many a moon, a step backward for Sam Raimi after A Simple plan, and yet another movie in which Kevin Costner plays a character who has all the right window dressing but is neither juicy nor interesting. Yet another movie? Um,
3: Come on, Roger.
2: But I do want to just for uh, I want to just jump back to the the injury for a quick second here. <clears throat> so he he saw he's using a table saw. Uh, he cuts his hand. Um, we then get this bizarre scene in the ER where Jane is trying to get him. People, where the, <laughs> Jane is trying to get someone to yeah. take care of him, um, and no oh. one is 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 <laughs> trying is is. is, is <laughs> I don't know, paying attention to this star baseball player who's cut his hand, She screams, is this not America? Is baseball not America's favorite pastime? And then someone ultimately comes to his aid. Uh, <laughs> it was the moment where I was just like, I don't even understand what movie I'm in now. Like, I don't even know what, what we're doing.
1: The thing's Jane, well, any any moment when Jane shows up, you're just like, What Jane, you're operating in a different universe than the rest of this world. She doesn't use his name when she keeps no. going up to uh, to any of the doctors and saying, I, I have a friend uh, who's cut his hand really badly. Yeah. I'm sorry, were they supposed to identify Billy <laughs> Chapel? aging baseball player lying in a bed no uh, you have to drop the name you have yeah. to say i got billy chapel star yeah. pitcher for the detroit yeah, tigers yeah. and also that's when you pick up the phone and call the front office Jane well, that's, Jane
2: that's, Hamm- that's the other thing where billy says call mike call. he's yeah. the most <laughs>
3: important person to me right now yes. and that and that is supposed to be this moment where you, where she's like oh i yeah. am not the most it's like. Yeah. I this mean, is not the time. No. One, yes, he
1: is the most important person. <laughs> this is not you, the right relationship
3: right? status time, yeah. Yeah. Jane.
1: It's a perfectly reasonable Sam. statement. And also he's lost so much blood. If he yeah, had said, call Mike, <laughs> he's the elephant who will save us all. I would have been like, yes, that's yeah, a reasonable that's sentence. Like, yeah. You have lost several liters of blood. So, it's also so, so, so funny,
3: how he, it's so, so funny how, he, how he does very carefully phrase it to be like, call Mike. He is the person I need to like love yes. more than yes. you right now. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I the only blood, only blood only love in the snow. Can
1: feel, so you know,
2: the blood in the snow did make me think of a simple plan, though. And I was like, oh, that's, that's good fair.
0: <laughs> I, I do want to comment on what you just said earlier about having a seventy-five percent audience score. Yeah, because I have this whole theory about mm-hmm. how those audience scores directly correspond with how much a movie played on TBS and TNT. That's interesting. And for love of the game, played on TNT, TBS obsessively in the early 2000s. Sure. And that's the, I mean, to me, that's the whole reason Shawshank Redemption is as high as it is. I A mean, great movie. Sure. But the reason that it's so high is because it, you know, they mm-hmm. inundated us with it. This sure. is one of those. Like, lazy Sunday dad movies. Like, that's
1: that's exactly what it is. Which means that it's an edited film, so they probably cut out a lot of those long montage, falling in love montages that we really didn't need to see. So it's probably Mm. a better movie.
3: Yeah, you know they
0: cut out at least probably 30 minutes minimum out of this film. Yeah,
1: Unless you're going to do a four-hour broadcast of the game. But, like,
2: there's a scene where Jane is... Telling Billy about cutting vegetables for a salad.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, when she, just, where she like, asks how he likes his turkey cut.
3: That's how people fall yes. in love, Phil. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. If you, if you that's you why I'm single. Clearly, if you don't slice my deli meat right, you're on the fucking street.
3: Well, I like a torn Billy Ray. So. But
0: I, but I just—it's to me—it's just emblematic
2: of everything we're talking about, right? Which is like that's thirty seconds, forty-five seconds that I don't need in the movie. Like it doesn't—I don't fucking need it.
1: Well, what's too bad? Like as someone who I love romances, I love writing rom coms. That's my thing, and that's that's what I prefer to write as screenplays and. Those are great scenes in a completely different movie. Totally different. All of those, like, I love, I love those little getting to know you and the, and watching the things, the stupid things that make us fall in love with people. I think that's wonderful and beautiful. It's just not in this, not
0: in this movie. Look, it works if it, it works if he's gearing up for like a a sandwich eating competition. Then it works <laughs> great. Like if she's it, going to her job at Subway, then I get it. But I, otherwise, but I you know, don't
2: disagree with what you're saying, Amanda. In the sense that I I love those things too. Yeah. But these feel disingenuous. These don't feel particularly specific. These yeah. don't have that he's sort of like oh about- I get it. Yeah, yeah. they don't tell us. Wait,
3: wait, wait. Wait, wait, courtship is courtship is weird because yeah. they would play it the way you guys are talking about. Like mm-hmm. one of them would at least be like this is what we're talking about? Like, at least play yeah. it like, yeah. and and yeah. I they Costner, who is my favorite actor, uh, and, and, and my other dad, uh, <laughs> he's great on the field. I love him on the field. I love the way yeah. he talks to himself. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. the way he thinks on the field. He, nobody does, nobody does like quiet authority like he does. Mm-hmm. He has been good in romances in his life. I would I would put forth the bodyguard as an example of him being able to make fucking chicken, you know, soup out of chicken shit. That said, or chicken salad, uh, this is a disaster performance yeah. from him. Yes. The stuff that he plays with Kelly Preston. He, I mean, he's better he so, in a bottle. He is well, of course, because that he's <laughs> against a really great actress. Yes. But uh he he is so fucking tuned out. He you can tell that he is not. Kevin Costner's like, I would never be into this woman. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's it's, also it's, yeah, it's sorry. No, no, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, the arc. So if you look at like what the arc of his character off the field is supposed to be, is a completely different character than his character on the field. True. And again, that is a sure. Give me the movie about the Playboy flirtatious, picks up women on the side of the road when he's at dinner with a woman, asks her how she likes to be kissed. Give me that character, but that's a different character than aging guy on the mound. You know, reliving his past and grappling with. I don't think the end of his like this. This movie to me isn't about a man who loves. This is a movie about a man battling the concept of mortality and about how baseball for many of us represents sort of a a mortal youth and mortality. Um, So this, the character he plays when he's on the field, when he's with Kelly Preston, does go through an arc. We get to see him go from Playboy to domestic. Yeah, but. Because that's a little bits and pieces we're getting, we never see that arc. So it feels completely disjointed. It's
3: also a boring arc. It's not of, an yeah. interesting arc, but in if we're gonna of see a love story, yeah. he never he he also uh has literally no flaws. He's even he's yeah. so protected, even in the scene yeah. where he sleeps mm-hmm. with the 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 massage therapist. Yeah. Um you know, yep. so protected. He has no flaws. The one time he flips out, it's because he's concerned his career might be over. Like, we are did I just would have liked to have seen there's so many other things because I'm the other thing, you're like, if you excise the romance mostly, you can also build up what I think is like potentially the coolest relation to the whole thing. He was this guy, this this fucking September call-up's dad's teammate. Yeah. yeah, and the guy was his bat boy. Yeah. yeah. And this guy is the guy who's up there at the end. You could if you yeah. build that up the right way, that guy could have broken totally up the perfect game and it still would have been satisfying. Yep.
1: Absolutely. You know, I totally well, agree. And that's the same thing with his relationship with his former teammate, too. That's why there's so much richness happening that could have happened on the field that we missed. I agree completely.
3: I will I also, say though, yes, to sorry, the, with the ahead. massage yes.
1: therapist thing. Sorry, I I'm just I oh, yeah. like I said, I watched the second time. I was like, I have so many more thoughts than I ever thought. Um <laughs> that moment with the when he says, yes. you know. No matter what happens the next five minutes, know that I've never been happier than that when I saw you at my door. That is the one moment in this romance that, that works for me. I it remember. works yeah. beautifully and perfectly, and we get it's it's a moment that you don't get to see very often in a movie.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I that moment you're so close to whatever this character should have been mm-hmm. in his romance, and it, it. But otherwise, you're right. He's completely insulated.
2: It's also the only time that they feel interesting as a Uh couple and it's probably i mean because the conflict feels earned and emotional in a way that the other stuff doesn't but i also want to just quickly talk about for a quick second about the editing of this film was was a big kind of kerfuffle in the press which is that uh costner had oddly had like a final cut on the film unsurprising (laughs) which is very surprising.
1: Um, (laughs) Not at all when you think about who Costner is. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So he has final cut on the film, but only if it ended up with a PG-13 rating. And the thing was under two hours and 10 minutes. And it needed to be two hours and 10 minutes. Uh, And the thing that Costner pushed back on, one of the things he was pushing back on, was that he didn't want it to be PG-13. He wanted it to be R. He also wanted there to be a full frontal shot. Yep, the nude scene, the classic
0: nude scene. There was a full
2: frontal shot that apparently... Uh, received giggles at a test screening right. in Arizona, and thus they decided to cut it. Give but- me the
1: names of every person that test <laughs> screening. Say, it's a <laughs> us.
0: I agree. I, That's I, a podcast on. waiting to happen. Just focusing on that group of test screening <laughs> audience. <laughs> I just want to
1: why do you hate? Why do you hate good
0: things? Why life? do you hate Kevin Costner? Why
2: do you hate penises? But I'll just say this. <laughs> if you,
0: if you uh, could track those people down, that would be okay.
3: one of the great
2: podcasts. <laughs> but it, I do. It, think it could that, be called
0: Kevin's Costners. <laughs> <laughs> I do
2: think, though, it comes back to kind of what we were talking about a little bit with Boldura. <laughs> And, I, and you're never going to make this film into Bull Durham. But I do think that this film needed a little bit of edge. It mm-hmm. needed something. And I don't necessarily know that an R rating would have fixed this film by any means. But I do think that this film just feels very safe. There's just nothing about it that's really trying to sort of, quite frankly, like keep you engaged. It's making all of the wrong turns. And it's at 30,000 feet, I think we all agree that conceptually this movie should work. And yet, all of the choices that were made along the way hinder it from being really compelling. It's not a bad movie. Yeah. It's not a terrible movie. It's just a...
3: I, I think really it's, I, it's interesting that when you said the editing, too, yeah. uh, I think it's the, the worst sound design of any movie really I have ever watched in my life. Yeah, it's not there good. are <laughs> moments where they're playing a fucking pop song over Vin Scully giving you important information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your brain gets fucking scrambled. Like, this is... Yeah. This is not difficult stuff to me. Like that's do, a mess.
0: I do want to say, I do want to say that for all of the, the like the negatives about it, I think this film is shot gorgeously by oh, John yeah. Bailey, like John Bailey, who shot my favorite film of all time, Ordinary People, and my fourth favorite film of all time, The Big Chill. And it's the first uh Raimi 235 as well. Like first anamorphic, and, I bet this looks fucking gorgeous. It's big also life. the first, uh, the first sports film, I believe that, um, technically that John Bailey shot, he shot that championship season, but that's not a sports film. It's just about mm-hmm. people who played sports. Mm-hmm. And I think he knows how to shoot baseball. Like, I think he yep. I think he captures that sort of majestic quality in a way that maybe I haven't seen since maybe something like The Natural. Like, sure. I, I feel like he really understands how to capture that. And so I've always- There's some
2: shots, just to, 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 yeah. uh, to piggyback on your point, there are some shots near the end where just big, nice, wild shots—the way that the lights are streaming in off of you know around him, like yeah. it is—it is—it's—it is beautiful. It is ethereal, almost. It really, yeah, yeah. About.
0: And I've always thought for a long time that you know I understand why people get nominated for best cinematography at the Oscars, but I'm like, people like this should get considered for like taking a bland, what could have been a an a bland, awful movie and like making it better with your lens i think mm-hmm. a lot of credit should be given to someone like that because totally even though the romance stuff doesn't work it works better because of the way it's shot i agree with that
2: i want to talk for just a quick second about the 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 heather character the teenage daughter which yeah. is as you mentioned you mean not in the
3: book <laughs> yeah i'm sorry you mean freedom <laughs> her freedom. daughter is missing oh. did you miss that her yeah, daughter is have. missing and Kevin Cost... Literally, she's right. fucking missing. And Kevin Costner yeah. just, what's her name? And she goes, freedom. She makes a joke. Yeah. When her daughter is fucking missing in a, in yeah. a fucking city. She's like, African did I scare city. you? Her
2: name's Heather. It's weird. Yeah. It's it's weird.
1: such a weird... Again, such a weird moment to be like, why is this where she decides to get whimsical? She's panicked because right. she can't... She's calling the one man she doesn't want to call. But and then he picks
2: she- up... So he goes, he finds the daughter. Mm-hmm. He picks her up. He brings her on the on the team bus and on mm-hmm. the team plane. Um... She says something that I. I, I mean, I, maybe it's a silly line, but when she's like, "What is it with single men and V eight juice?" Love that line. Oh that God! A, but is that a thing? <laughs> um, I, I mean, feel like
1: it they, kind of. I don't know 90s. if it was. I feel like it kind of was. V eight was such a thing in the nineties as a sure. as a drink because they were they worked so hard to market it. I <laughs> it's don't still know if my it was, favorite
0: drink, <laughs> and I'm I single.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it was true, but it felt true, and I think that's what's important. <laughs>
2: Fair enough, fair enough. Like, it, I, yeah, Like They have, I would argue, that the 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 father-daughter chemistry mm-hmm. ah. that, that Kevin Costner has with Jenna Malone is better than the chemistry he has with Kelly Preston. Oh, oh 100%. Oh when Agreed. he meets
1: back up with her at USC? Yeah. Oh my God, what a great, yeah. like, which could play, it could play really weird because, you know, it, it, the not, age difference yeah. feels about the same as him and Kelly Preston, but... It's such a great like the moment with him and, and I cared more about watching Heather watch the game than I cared about watching Jane watch the game.
3: Totally.
2: yeah. Oh, oh, and and that's, that's a testament to, to Jenna Malone, giving yeah. us so much just on her face.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. to me is another, you know, if you think about that to me is, is another place that they, they pulled from Jared Maguire because.
0: Ready to pop the question?
3: Obviously, I think the fucking romance with Jerry and D is is incredible. Like a one a there between Jerry and Ray. Yeah. So like yeah. you know yeah. that yeah. that is something that's going that they're trying to accomplish totally. as well. Mm-hmm. And they do. I really do think they do with uh, with Billy Chapel and Heather. I love that scene yeah. at USC. Yeah. I love yeah. the, the kiss on the forehead. I love that it's probably weird to everyone looking around and they don't seem to care that much or at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, and I think that's an interesting relationship in general, the relationship with, you know, child of a single parent with the, with the boyfriend, girlfriend who was around and great and no longer Mm -hmm. is around.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and it makes me think of a very different dynamic, but like, I, I love the relationship in Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Sure. And his and his daughter. Yeah. And, uh, that's such a yeah. that's such yeah. the heart of that film to a large degree too. Absolutely. And um I, and it really does. I mean, I agree. Like the chemistry between he and uh, General Malone is like actually feels like a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Where like he and Kelly Preston just feels very like we are two actors that are put to. It's like when you're <laughs> play. It's like when you're playing Barbies or uh, dolls yeah. as a kid. You're like yep. putting yep. the two dolls together. That's kind of what it feels like.
2: I you know it's interesting, Kenny. You talking about uh, obviously we've we've alluded to Jerry Maguire a couple of times, and I would say like I'd be interested to see Cameron Crowe's version of this movie.
1: Oh my oh. god! I yeah. mean much that much be- would... better soundtrack for starters. Much it's better time. soundtrack,
2: yeah. but also just like first of all, I would have bought the relationship, the romantic relationship. Um, it you know this this move the, the score in this movie is working overtime as well. <laughs> like it is just trying so hard to ring every bit of emotion out of what's going on sometimes it Um, it
0: works sometimes it
2: works it's I I do think that that Sam Raimi feels like he's trying to make a Frank Capra movie like I do think that he's existing like I don't think he's trying to make something that is quote-unquote believable I think he's trying to make a big old Hollywood movie and I think that you know and I hate to keep harping on this but I think that had Kelly Preston been you know with someone that he had chemistry with i think this this movie moves up letter grades like I he should have that- he, he watched the natural
3: then because the, the natural does it sure. yeah sure. you know yeah even but though I, the natural I, yeah. is insanely long yeah. <laughs> i happen to watch that this week it's insanely long for a movie how long that is really, it really
1: two endless. and a half hours
3: <laughs> it only need it only needs to be 90 minutes long because it really only is like it's the first half hour which is all important and then like an hour of him? It's ridiculous. But oh. God, is that a Frank Capra yeah. movie? I yeah. love the natural. Yeah. I
0: saw it. I saw a screening of it. It was a double feature of It and Field of Dreams at the New Bev. And by the and the natural was the was the last of the two oh, films. Boy. And by the end of that movie, I swear to God, 80% of the audience was asleep. <laughs> I'm sure.
1: That's like trying to sit through the Batman. Like that's just it's it's so much time. <laughs> it's, it's, too much such time. A, it's such a time commitment. I yeah. do. I think going back to the the yeah, relationship please. with the with the daughter, and then yeah. bringing up Jerry Maguire, and uh, I do think one of the yeah one of the things that's really interesting as I'm thinking about it, what makes his relationship with her with Heather so much more interesting is that like, and and in general, why I think that the relationship between father and child in a sports movie is so much more interesting isn't necessarily because of the link that we have, but also you know Jane signs up for this. Jane knows what she's. You know, yep. She has a whole thing of like, am I just supposed to date a baseball? I got to find the quote now. Um,
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. It was
1: so red- it was so fucking crazy. Yeah, you know, crazy. she he, she's like, you're in the right guard. I was being <laughs> metaphorical, Billy. <laughs> Look, this is crazy. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Go Run down there and date the right guard? meet Sandy Koufax yeah. and date the right guard guy. And it's like, yeah, that's what you do. That's <laughs> what you've signed up for. That is explicitly the dream. Heather doesn't get that choice and the kids of baseball players don't get that choice. The wives always do. And so watching the dynamic and the way that a kid interacts with their dad, who's on the road, who is around, who isn't around and who still finds a way to love the game. um, Mm -hmm. Watching Jeannie bus into like in the, in winning time has been really, Oh
0: God. Yeah.
1: I would. So, I mean, I I have a lot of (laughs) thoughts on that show and on Adam McKay as a writer, But I do think that the concept of Jeannie Bus and why Jeannie Bus ends up where she does is fascinating. And that's one of the things this movie does really well is that we do get to see Heather, who didn't get a say in this, get sucked into this world and embrace it.
0: No, for sure.
2: It's, yeah. I, I would argue that, like, they don't give her a ton to do in this movie. I mean, she really has, like, three scenes, you mm-hmm. know what i mean, ultimately and it's a testament to Jenna Malone that she made an impact with those scenes. Um, but i think we all agree that like there's more to be to be mined there. If you're going to bring the kid into this movie and it's not in the book. Yeah. What you know what i mean and and, and you do have to ask yourself like what exactly is she doing for his arc? It doesn't really change yeah. Billy in any real way. You know, what i mean you could conceivably pull her out of the film as much as i love her um, and and I would argue, kind of Jane is similar, right? A lot of yeah. Jane scenes don't really yeah. do much. Um, it, it's, but I, I want to ask you guys because I couldn't think of one, and you guys are obviously the people to ask. Is there another movie that plays with the idea of the perfect game? <laughs> We're still recording, guys. I don't.
1: I don't believe <laughs> so. I don't. Believe, though, think. I don't I, yeah.
0: I because it's a great so.
2: idea, and I found myself yeah. legitimately you know, I see probably about a half hour from the end of this film, rooting for Billy to get the perfect game. And that's a really interesting thing to, to use as the stakes.
3: Oh, Yes, the, oh. There, there is one actually, guys.
1: What? Is it called the perfect game? I don't know if game?
3: you've heard of it though. It's it's very obscure. It's called, it's oh, called a it? scout? Oh, Jesus. I don't know if yeah. The fucking the scout.
1: You fucking played the scout and you forgot the, the scout, for- which,
3: <laughs> which, which, which Phil definitely has but never that movie, seen. But that I haven't movie. seen it, but I know so it's not bad. That's my Earth.
1: point that The Scout was an inferior movie. that no one I didn't say it was bad. I played it at five! Uh,
3: this is insane! Know. This is insane that I'm supposed to play a movie at... Like, if I played Voldemort <laughs> at five, that would have been like, like, acceptable to everyone. The Scout... I would <laughs> say, though, The Scout is not
0: really about the about the perfect game. It, it's just...
3: It's, it's just not about component. it, but, that, the, yeah, perfect but it. Yes, also, yes. the perfect game is part of it.
1: Also, the perfect game is... As it's a really niche thing that only baseball fans will know. Throwing a no-hitter, it's built right into the name. A no-hitter, right. you know, if you, Billy Chapel's going for a no-hitter, you know what that means. Billy yep. Chapel has not allowed a single base runner is not necessarily a thing that <laughs> every single p- person watching sure. is gonna grasp immediately. You're not gonna know
3: no. Bill, did you know what that
1: was? See, so that's why I don't think okay. we get it. Like the concept of having a movie centered around a, no, a perfect game is also going to just be a harder thing in general to to get people hooked on.
2: Sure. I, I was just... It was... Listen, there, there are innumerable sports movies, right, that are trying to find new ways with which to create stakes that isn't just winning or losing. And I think that this... I, I have to hand it to this film for taking something that probably isn't all that well-known, creating real legitimate stakes out of it, emotionally... And physically, I thought that I mean, I respect that maybe more so than anything about this film on that. Yeah. Level.
3: Oh, I think it. I yeah. I think it's perfect, and I think the conception of yeah. this is perfect because also, and this is more or less true. I think at the time there had been about ten perfect okay. games in baseball history, mm-hmm. right? So like, you're not you're not talking about something that sure. happens every day. Like this is like and. You, there are people and i may have been one of them in the 90s you could like rattle off the people really? who had thrown perfect games like yeah. it was that yeah. big of a deal and but it was always a white it was always a white whale like i don't know if you guys when you go to a baseball game have this like horrible obsession with like is this the night i'm going to watch a hitter <laughs> you know in real life but i never went to a, the mets never had a no hitter until about 10 years ago. So I went to every Mets game being like is this our time? Mm-hmm. Is this our time? So for baseball fans at least and I and I would argue like the 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 kind of overlapping principle of this entire conversation is like this movie should have been pitched yeah. towards baseball fans more and just assume that people would go on the ride because baseball mm-hmm. is so beautiful and lovely. But for baseball fans, like this really is the in some ways, as good as winning a World mm-hmm. Series, right? Like the Mets won World Seri- won a World Series in my life and they never won a perfect, and they never know a in a perfect game. And I felt like that is the thing we need to make this like I, a real franchise. Yeah, I've lived in Seattle you know?
0: for less than a year and I can't tell you the people that I've already overheard discussing the, the perfect game that Felix Hernandez, you know, pitched in like 2010, 2012. Like people here still talk about that 10 years later. So it definitely remains in like the cult, you know, the sort of cultural sports sure. lexicon yeah. of a city. Especially when it's yeah. a guy
3: like that, who like a Felix Hernandez is a guy like Billy Chapel, who like that is like that is that is a cherry on top of yeah. an incredible career. There's some guys like not to flex, like Tom Browning, who threw one that no one will ever remember. But except people who threw a perfect game, sure. except the fact that you don't know people this will guy remember Randy the Johnson. Game. So <laughs> one of the yes. No it's it's amazing when it, it's amazing yeah, when it's yeah. an amazing pitcher who did it. It's, a, it's but there's an incredible. Also something, like
1: thing. that's one of the magical things for me about baseball is that this is a game with so many arbitrary ridiculous records and record keeping and the fact that anybody can go out there and one day do something fucking magical. Yeah. Aaron Her yeah. Hur- Aaron become Hurray, a legend. who is no one knows him. I he was a terrible pitcher for the Dodgers. He holds the record for the most consecutive strikeout game. Nine he started throwing gas and he struck. I remember watching the game and just being like, what the fuck is happening? Aaron Harang's arm has been blessed by God for 70 minutes in the middle. <laughs> it was a day game. It was nothing. Nine strikeouts in a row. The man has is a footnote in everything else, but he holds a Dodger record. And so that's what's kind of. And so the fact that Billy Chapel does have this long storied career, but it's kind of also you get the sense that he's never been the A-list pitcher. He's been a longevity pitcher, but you never got the sense that like, I would yeah, say I that he, that. I, I think that he, he does get called a future hall of famer, but you never get the yeah. sense that he is a, I, I always got the sense that he was a baseball guy, not a publicly known guy. Does that make like, yeah. Yeah. Like he's I'm not, totally a, he's not an a rot He's not a Randy Randy Johnson Johnson. everyone on the street season that goes, holy shit, it's Randy Johnson. But if you love baseball, you know that this guy's going into the hall and you know his stats and you know all those things. He's probably beloved in Detroit. But the fact that he can throw a perfect game is what makes baseball beautiful. And then, of course, you get in, like, when he throws it. But that's what this movie really captures so elegantly.
3: Well, that's what I, I mean, you're hitting on, like, why I'm so taken by the Dwight Gooden story. Because this guy was Cy Young. This guy, or did win Cy Young. This guy won a World Series. This guy was a toast of to the town. He was on the cover of, of Sports Illustrated and all these things. He was the biggest fucking guy in the world. Winning another World Series on the Yankees, which mm-hmm. he did, by the way, meant nothing. It means no one ever will talk about it. But this guy coming back 10 years after his prime, five years after being fucking lost in the fucking desert and throwing a perfect game, I, you know, a fucking Yankee stadium. Like people never forget that. It's surreal that it happened. And it is this thing you're talking about, I it was like for one day, like he was back, but also like, it was a different Dwayne Gooden. It was a Dwayne Gooden who now was like, not just better than everyone. Like for a moment, he was smarter than everyone, mm-hmm. and that's what they got with Billy Chapel here. His arm was garbage at the end, yeah. but he was smarter. He was talking through every pitch, which is why I the first thing I said was the baseball is yeah. the best baseball. And I've I think ever seen I think movie. the
0: the, per, the whole idea of the perfect game is sort of what I mean. It's sort of what makes baseball to me more magical than other sports because mm-hmm. there's no other major sport where someone really has the ability to have a perfect game like mm-hmm. basketball players don't have a perfect game it's impossible football players don't have a perfect like, game
3: Kobe's like 73 Is but like even him but I you look at his stats like he had a turnover
0: like it wasn't like it wasn't like oh he, yeah he like it wasn't even that guy like, threw it's it really the only times. major sport where you have that opportunity to be perfect at what you do and that's really special
1: yeah, it's also one of the, the only sport where it's really. I mean, you get that moment with Gus Reese's. We're all you were a per, for this moment. We're better than anyone else, and oh, we will that. have your back. Such a beautiful moment. Again, why I think that was the love story we should have gotten was him and the rest of the team. But yeah. that no, moment- I,
2: I I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking the thing that kind of hit me by the end of this was that a perfect game can only happen if the entire team is all working together. Right. Like the yes. pitcher gets to have the, yep. you know, the yep. moment, but like it only works if everyone else is pulling the way, but. Well,
3: that's amazing. It's an the other amazing thing is, that, is
1: that for a big part of, of the game, it is just one guy up against nine, yeah. one dude taking on nine people. It is the ultimate David and Goliath. Yeah. yeah. You have, it's I great. mean, everything else behind him is a, a, anytime the ball gets into play. Yes. You have to hope that the, that the team behind you has your back again, Hanley Ramirez fucked up the perfect game for Clayton Kershaw. I will never fully forgive him for that. Um, but the, <laughs> look, man, I, I don't, I, 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 there's, I just, I feel your anger
2: through the microphone. It's amazing.
1: What's insane about that is that prior to that, I hated Joe Kelly for hurting Hanley Ramirez, but now I hate Hanley Ramirez for fucking up Clayton Kershaw's perfect game. So it's a really, the the levels of grudge I have to carry is really Uh complex.
3: Well, Uh
0: there's a journey though, with, with, with what you're saying, like, which is what makes it so exciting, which is like, because like you said, like, for the first few innings of a game, it's really just the picture and then there's that moment that pivot point in a game where you're watching and you're like oh wait a minute like and 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 the character has that moment too where it's like oh i'm i'm throwing a perfect it's game lovely. and then like by the time you get to, like, the fifth or sixth inning, it starts feeling a little bit more real and more real. And the time you get to, like, the eighth inning, it's like, holy shit, is this possible? And then, like, there's a great momentum and trajectory to one. that's just awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've obviously never gotten to see one in person that, I mean, you know, who has? Like, you know, you can count them on one hand probably. But um, just that awesome in this film where he realizes oh, is just beautiful, it's where oh it's like, God. holy shit. Yeah, it, there's that moment when he turns to John C. Which, Riley. Which, by the says, way, it was has like, "Anyone to
2: on
3: base?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there. That's something they do really, really. It, it, that's the moment where this, the structure of the movie, yeah, uh, meets where the where the, the 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 idea of it is, and this is so, this is so true for baseball pitching. If you overthink mm-hmm. it, you will fuck up. And part of the reason he's doing it is because his yeah, mind yeah, but, is somewhere mm-hmm. else right and that is it that is the moment these two things meet and as soon as he recognizes that he that he's doing it like immediately his arm starts hurting immediately he mm-hmm. starts getting hit hard they got the ball to you know ball that gets pulled down over the fence you have the two sliding play. every fucking literally all three infielders have an incredible sliding play in the last two innings um it's really it's like i want so to i want to say something that's what's upsetting
2: that i think is also a bit of a missed opportunity which is that in its own way jane the memories of jane have helped him pitch this game mm-hmm. right and i kind of wish that idea had i mean there the was shitty no pitches,
1: payoff to that the, yeah. the
2: shitty pitch is him saying to her at the end i did it you were there with me and yeah. you're the reason that i was able to pitch this game you're what you don't you understand what i'm saying and unfortunately the synergy And the the dovetailing of those two things is another missed opportunity for me because I feel like that way, at least it would have been like, listen, it served a purpose. The distraction, quote unquote, of his relationship with this person allowed him to do this thing. It would have just been nice because then at least it would have felt like Jane was a part of his win as opposed to not being.
3: Yeah. So so I'm looking at Perfect Games Major League history. At the time... There had been sixteen ever, and we're talking going back to eighteen eighty, okay. right? There had been uh-huh. sixteen ever. There had been, you know, I mean, ones in this in this in that century. So two of them were before. So there had been, you know, sixteen. What's interesting is
0: you Rare understand how is.
3: like infrequent <laughs> this is in ninety eight and ninety nine. Three months before this happened, there were there were. Perfect games thrown wow. in Yankee Stadium. David, well thrown in, 80, in 98. And there's a story to that, too. He claims he was hungover when he threw it. And he's a, this yeah. really, like, larger than life, like, so overweight, truck driver type guy, journeyman, who found, of all places, found his home on the Yankees. And then David Cohn, who threw in in 99, who was nearing the end of his prime. And in a lot of ways, like, Billy Chappell. What teams like were these guys playing for? Like, Billy Chappell. Are they both
2: Yankees? Oh, they are both Yankees. On
3: the Yankees. David Cohn, and he was a Met too in the 80s, so he's my guy. But David Cohn in a lot of ways is like this guy who, if David Cohn doesn't throw that perfect game, he's nobody. Like yeah. he's just a good pitcher. With this perfect game, he is the guy who has right. a perfect game, one World Series with the Yankees and Mets, was a dependable you know, number two in the rotation for about 10 years, and people, and sure. he's immortal like, he's sure. in his own way. So that's an interesting 100. percent character. So Kenny, not too.
1: many people know this, but that was actually both of those, no, those perfect games were actually movie tie-ins. Um that was actually <laughs> scripted by the studio. Yeah, by
2: Universal Studios. Yeah, ah, they
1: they actually yeah. had Smart. made an agreement with the Yankees to have two perfect games specifically to help promote this film. Unfortunately, it didn't pay off.
2: It didn't that. pay off at the it box office, not. but it, it was it was worth. a worthy, no. it was worthy attempt. No, it, was, you know, it was a
3: great attempt. They, yeah. The, the, well, the thing is. That's the thing about baseball. No movie can capture the, uh, the thrill of the I wanted thing. to talk
2: for a quick second about um, the deep bench of supporting actors in this movie. You've got Brian Cox, who mm-hmm. has, you know, two scenes, but I really liked his scene with him early on in the movie where he, you know, explains that they're selling the team and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there is sort of a father-son thing kind of there, um, which I, you know, Brian Cox is always great, even though it feels like, the world just kind of discovered that Brian Cox is a great character actor because he's on Succession now. Um but he had a weird 9 well, someone also
3: figured out he had to did. do his hair. Uh, uh,
2: he had a weird 99. He was in The Minus Man, The Corrupter and For Love of the Game. So it wasn't a stellar 99 for Brian Cox, but he's always great. And then John C. Riley, who I mean, come on, who doesn't love John C. Riley? Um, was in this, obviously, is in Magnolia uh, as well as Never Been Kissed. But um, yeah, I, I'm with you, Amanda, that I feel like more could have been done with the John C. Riley stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's just kind of they kind of just put him in a in a kind of worthless sidekicky role that is unfortunate
1: fortunate because we get such a great little glimpse of their dynamic in that first scene. Like that first scene tells us everything about those two guys yeah. in so many ways. The way that you know, Kevin Costner, which I God love the fact that Kevin Costner refuses to play a character who does anything less than read 800 page books. <laughs> like, the book he pulls out is God. such an insane... It's a <laughs> It is an insane <laughs> book. I tried to look it up. I tried to see what he was reading. Yeah. And it's very clearly like something about American history. And it's not Howard Zinn, but it could just as easily be. And he definitely cites Howard Zinn in Bull Durham. Like this, ca- uh, he refuses.
3: He's yeah. the only... No. Ba- Costner's... Is Ke- Kevin Costner probably yeah, is yes. an interesting guy. And, but
1: he refused. He will not play a dumb baseball player, which is an insane yeah. thing. Because my dad's best friend almost went to the majors, and he realized he didn't want to do it. Basically, he was like, "I, I realized I would never fit in when all the guys were reading comic books and their lips were moving." That was always. <laughs> well,
3: that's what's so yeah. great about Major League is is Rene Russo tries to get Todd Berger to read Moby Dick, and he finds yeah. a comic it was book the most true
1: moment because yeah. So, but you've got Kevin Costner, you've got Billy reading an eight hundred page book without like. <sighs> legs crossed, looking like everyone's dad ever. And then you've got Gus playing a fucking Game Boy. But meanwhile, he's yeah. Mother Henning.
3: Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, love yeah, yeah.
1: that contrast. The contrast of Gus clearly being just a dope. Yep. But that he has this incredibly sweet cares for Billy. And not just cares for Billy, but watches out for him. And like mm-hmm. takes care better care of Billy than Billy takes care of himself. All those things. are so much richness in that one scene. And we get more of that relationship than we ever get of Billy and Jane. Like we get more depth on that. And it's such a lost opportunity. There's and, one, other, one other character okay.
2: actor you didn't mention, though, Phil. I was going to just mention him, which is J.K. Simmons. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh my God. fantastic yeah. in this.
1: How is he always playing a baseball A lifelong couch. Tigers
2: fan. So he was just like, this was a dream come true to be able to play for the Tigers. That's and be amazing. There, which I just think is adorable. But yeah, he's, I mean, J.K. Simmons is one of those guys where it's like, he just makes everything seem just really, really rich. Mm-hmm. Even if he's got one, I mean, we just recently did uh, Up in the Air. He's got one scene in Up in yep. the Air. And he's mm-hmm. just yep. fantastic in it.
3: It's crazy to think how long it took yeah. for people to recognize yeah. that this guy is more than I just mean, the one scene. Yeah, yeah, he's,
0: he's got one scene in Ghostbusters Afterlife that he kills. That's right. Uh, well, I will R- say, Reitman,
2: Reitman decides to give him one scene. I will <laughs>
0: say like we we do have to talk for a second about, I would say, the the second star of this film. Uh, the co-star of Magnolia, The Limey, so many other 99 films of Ben Scully.
1: Um, sure. <laughs> wait, sure. is he in Magnolia? I've never no, seen. No, I, I was.
0: Joking. He's not in Magnolia. I got and he's so, I was in, like
1: he's... I'm gonna fucking watch Magnolia. Now. He that of that. You should watch
2: that. Magnolia because it's great.
1: I, mean, I know it's one of those yeah. like on my list, but it kind of conflates with Vanilla Sky in my oh, head, God. and then also like, and then no. also no. eyes wide Promise shut, you. like all three of those kind of conflate in my head because <laughs> of the time them I think so.
3: Wait, wait, wait okay. for a rainy day when you have nothing to do and put it on yeah so considering your
2: your I'm disaster so podcast uh there is a disaster component yeah. that is also Absolutely. very there is.
1: good point. oh excellent okay great now i have an excuse now i have an excuse to bring <laughs> someone
3: on i thought you were i thought you were you were referencing the disaster of you playing being john malkovich over it in our oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> Not to give it away the, the uh, incinerator episode our 99 um, incinerator I, I just, Field I want to say just one quick thing
2: before uh, the, the Vince Scully thing, because I do think the J.K. Simmons stuff uh, is really great. Now, I don't know that it's necessarily all that, you know, dynamically written, but I do think that just, like, there's one scene near the end when he puts in uh, some guys in the bullpen to mm-hmm. get warmed up, and he tells, I'm assuming his pitching coach or whatever, to go put the, the guys in the bullpen. And he's like, I can see the scoreboard. I know what I'm doing. Like, I, I get and and there's a there's a part of me that feels like he puts the guys in the bullpen just to perhaps get inside um Billy's head or do you think that he actually puts them in there because he thinks he might need them
1: i think that's absolutely the latter it's it's just okay. i mean it, it, i think that, and again that's one of the things that this movie captures so beautifully is that horrible decision that a coach has that the the baseball manager has to make i mean doc had to make that choice uh fill, uh uh, Stripling, um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Okay. Ross Stripling was throwing like as a no hitter through se- six or seven innings, but he was still a pretty young pitcher and we didn't really need it. And Doc made the choice to pull him. Right. Where, and it was one of the, it's that choice, that awful choice. You have to look at this doesn't. Have Kastner arguing with him. It doesn't have anybody. There's no moment of drama. It is treated exactly as it would be treated in a game, which is this is an awful necessity. And we don't, we haven't lost faith in him, but we have to make this choice.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. And J.K.
1: Simmons plays it beautiful. J.K. He, you could have just as easily told me that was an actual manager that they just been like, hey, can you come and like do this for a couple, just a couple scenes? We just need you. And I would believe it 100%. He's so elegant in this. He's
2: also just like the mustache is great, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's just there's when when you read that he that he is a Tigers fan and that it's clear that like this is such a dream come true for him that there it's it's imbued with so much sort of love for everything that's mm-hmm. going on around him and it just radiates off of JK in this in this role. Um, he's really he's really something special, but. Um, yeah. uh, I want to rate this film. So okay. we do a rating on this uh, podcast, zero to 99, zero being the lowest, 99 being the highest. We rate it before the podcast and we rate it after the podcast as to whether or not it changed your opinions. Um, I didn't see this film in 99, so I don't have a rating for it in 99. But uh, coming into this podcast, I was at a 40. Um And now I got to say, you guys have really kind of turned me around a little bit on this movie. I think I like it a lot more than I did before. Um, So I'm going to go up to like a 60. Uh, I I still don't think that it's like a great movie um, or but it is a movie that I could see myself putting on again in the future on a lazy Sunday or something like that and and enjoying it. Um, Yeah, I, I think it's I mean, listen, this is this not one of sam raimi's best films but i do think that it's an interesting film um you know uh warts and all but uh what about you kenny um let me just
3: get my number out so i saw this movie only once before this uh so i did not watch it like over and over again like so many tnt movies Uh, i saw it once probably around i was definitely on video Probably around 2000, 2001. Um, I never liked it. I thought it was a pretty bad movie. So I think I would have given sure. it like maybe a thirty five. But I was very precious about baseball movies. Uh, baseball, <laughs> sure. but, you know, just very sure. precious in general about that. Uh, I gave this before this pot. Mm-hmm. I gave it a sixty three. Um, which, uh, you know, look, I was actually about to give it a seventy five. Oh, wow. And wow. then, and then it. And then it uh did the it last didn't ten end should have. that I was just like I was just like I can't, <laughs> I I just this is so whack. I gotta like I gotta bring it down for that. Um I'm gonna stick at a 73, which I don't love doing, but the reason I'm gonna stick at a 73 is because I do think this is a movie that is not a bad movie, and I do think that like. It's not as if someone else came up with yeah, this structure. Yeah. This is a novel structure that has a lot of value and is propulsive in its own laborious <laughs> way, and has a really great eighth and ninth yep. inning, yes, se- eighth and ninth inning sequence that I yep. truly loved. So uh, sixty sixty three. Can I also just? I, I want to just for one quick
2: thing. I kind of feel like had Jane gone to the baseball game. You could have had it, it's a little major leaguey, but seems still, obvious it seems to obvious seems to me too. Where it's like that me. way you get out of the movie at the fucking game rather than having, as you just said, this like odd little appendage epilogue essentially that you don't need. You just wrap it up fast, right? Like to your point, bring the two things together, bring Jane to the baseball game, credits. Like I don't, I don't understand how that didn't happen, but anyway. It uh, also
1: all you yeah. needed was that moment where he shows up at the airport. And then he sees her, she sees him. Yep. And he says, yeah. all he has yeah. to say that's is, it. I was going to go to London. Like, right, you know, like that's the worst line of it. But th- yeah, you yeah. don't need any more moment than that. We yeah. assume I'm, that's a yeah. six-hour flight. And, and we and assume I assume
3: they're, they're the, going to hash it out on the It's a cliche, but Rene Russo's in the, yes. uh, in the yes. stands yep. during Major League, like you said. Glenn Close is in the stands yep. during The Natural. Eat, if you were going to yep. have this kind of character, and yes. she is a cipher, you want her to run sure. back to that stadium. And you want to see the rush yeah. in the ninth inning of, I don't have a ticket, but I am yeah. Billy Chapel's girlfriend, yeah. but I've never mm-hmm. heard of you. But this is like, it's as important because there actually is some poignancy to the denouement where, where he is not yes. overjoyed yes. because the, mm. person, the one there? person he cares yeah. about yeah. Uh, seeing this moment isn't there. But he could have felt that you could have felt that the whole time. If he left her a mm-hmm. ticket, it will call. And she and he's looking yep. at the seat, and the yep. seat is empty. It says in that fucking. Really oh, oh yeah, go ahead. Uh,
1: or, or the uh, the other version of her being in the stands is that at the end. Again, as he's leaving, and she's outside, and she's like, "I couldn't get in." and
2: like that's also great Yeah, but just yeah yeah, the
1: moment where and he he thinks she hasn't shown up he he's gone through this whole experience and then she's waiting for him outside the stadium because again this is a movie about a man who's ending his career so the idea that his life with her doesn't start until he leaves that stadium Mm -hmm. great give me that but give me that in the give me the moment where i see that she didn't begrudgingly watch this whole game totally and i never got the sense that she didn't a little bit resent that she was stuck watching the game yeah, it's it, 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 it's very
2: strange. It's I mean, and listen, we've said it before. We'll say it again. Uh, Jane's arc basically doesn't really exist. Uh, it's kind of all over the place. So it 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 really does. Even the last line for just a very quick second. Can we talk about the very last line where he says "I I love you" and she says "I never believed it" and he says "Believe it." Ugh. It's just sort of like Ugh, I don't that's know. Not what that you that's want a from a romance
0: to be. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Billy Ray, what were your ratings on this? Well, I saw this in theaters in '99 because I saw mm-hmm. everything in theaters uh, back then. I, I, I mean, I loved it when I first saw sure, it. It was sure. right at my alley. I would have probably given it about a seventy-five or eighty back then. Okay. Before the podcast, this time I'm probably would have probably been more in like the sixty range. Sure, but I think now I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna end and and be at. I'm just gonna go the sixty five route. I think. Okay, I think that's where we're gonna put it. Is firmly at the sixty five. Amanda.
1: Yeah. So I again I did not see this when it first came out. Um, yeah. I saw it several years. I mean, less than I can kind of gauge it. I saw it less than 10 years ago, but more than six years ago. Um, like I can pretty, pretty easily yeah. bookmark that one. And uh, it was, I would, yeah, I would have given it like a 35, 40. Um, right. I mean, it it would have been lower if it hadn't had the Vin Scully stuff.
3: Sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like we didn't really, all of Vin Scully's dialogue could just as easily not have been written and been just stuff Vin Scully was saying his line about uh, first his line about, you know, Stan, t- Steve Lyons is talking about the shadows at Yankee stadium. And then he, Vin Scully transitions into trying to get out of the shadows, you know, as he's setting up Billy chapel to come on the mound. It, beautiful work. And it's, I'm so glad that we have in excellent audio preserved, like in the, in the top quality audio, Vin Scully, just Vin Scullying. Um, So that definitely gave it a leg up for me, but now we're on the rewatch. Yeah. I'm with you. Phil, like, 60 65. I would rewatch this. Oh, this yeah. is totally, yeah. This is a TBS film. This is this is a fly paper movie. Yeah. If you're channel surfing, this is sure. not a thing that you know Gen Z will ever experience. But if you're channel surfing <laughs> and this movie's on, you'll stop and watch at least 20 minutes of it. As yeah. long as it's not the 20 minutes when it's like a love story sequence. Yeah. yeah. But if he is if he's yeah. on the mound in any I, moment uh, that you're channel surfing, you're watching. Yeah. Good
3: the maybe the the by far. Again, this movie gets the baseball and doesn't get anything else. Uh, using Ben Scully oh, was brilliant. Um, using Steve Lyons was <laughs> the, the opposite of brilliant. But because uh, Steve Lyons is so insignificant, like in the in the major scheme, yeah. he was big for a minute, but his fucking nickname is Psycho. Like, go away. Um, they they could have had someone so much more. For lack of a better comp, Tony Romo esque uh, doing the color in this in this game, but Scully's amazing. I totally agree with you, Amanda. Like it feels like if it was written or if he did it on the fly, like it was. Yeah, it was. It was
1: either someone wrote it.
3: He could have done it alone. Is
1: that's why Steve Lyons like you don't really need a color guy with Vince Scully because Vince Scully's his own color guy, and so that's I don't even remember a single line of dialogue Steve Lyons has after the first sentences because it doesn't matter. But the beautiful thing about writing like. Vince, if you're writing any voiceover of any sort of baseball broadcaster at any point at this, you're writing a Vince Scully character. And so whether it was written for Vince Scully or Vince Scully improvising his lines, that was Vince Scully making his own dialogue because he has created the format. That was it's it's so beautiful. I love that.
2: I I clearly don't go nearly as deep as you guys do on baseball, but I will say that this movie did uh, work in a lot of ways and checked a lot of boxes for me this time around. Um, and it does feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities. There's a truly amazing movie to have been made here. Um, but you know, this is what we got and it's, it's still pretty solid, but I'm uh, for being on here. Everyone should listen to his Incinerator podcast, especially the episode with Kenny and I. Uh, Amanda, tell us about your podcast.
1: Uh, I am on Disaster Girls, which is a podcast about disaster movies. It's uh, me and my friend, you get well acquainted with this this podcast, <laughs> Jordan Cruciola. Indeed. And uh,
2: yes, the great, the, the Jordan, great Cruciola. Jordan
1: Cruciola. The, the one of a kind. <laughs> yes.
3: Um.
1: And there's no one like her. There's
3: it's just such a such a such a great guest. Jordan's
1: ability to talk about anything is one of my favorite, <laughs> my favorite Jordan qualities. Indeed, and she indeed. would and, and there's nothing you can say about Jordan that she wouldn't say about herself. So she would 100% <laughs> agree that yes, if you give her a topic, she can find something to say about it. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs>
3: Billy Ray, I don't mean to fantasy cast your pod, but when are you gonna have it, Amanda? When are oh my you god, it, that's gotta happen. do uh, Okay. So here's the thing. Movies. Jordan and I
1: are in real life almost we are we are very close friends. We're almost best friends. I don't know that she and I can go head to head on anything like that.
3: <laughs> I'll tell <laughs> you, it's kind of nice. Because no, yeah, no, no, Kenny, no. <laughs> Kenny won that podcast. So yeah, no. see, that's, that's why it's nice for <laughs> you. Fr-
1: she and I have been real life friends for much longer than we've podcast. Um and I, no, I can't. We have too many other <laughs> real-life...
3: But, but... No So, Phil and I... Phil and okay, my friendship go back... We, our, our friendship goes back yeah. 16 years now, and we've seen one movie <laughs> in the
2: theaters together. Crawl. crawl. Great movie. Oh, um, Crawl's
1: a
3: perfect... Crawl's a
2: Number one girl. on the crawl. fucking great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we do have you and Jordan to look forward to you're going to come on our Patreon. Um, I think you're looking at uh, a little quizzical right now. I, uh, there's a disaster film. There's a disaster film that came out in 2009 uh, that you guys are coming on for that she said you were game to come on for. I it's, sh- 20, it's It's 2012. Great choice. It's uh, the film 2012.
1: <laughs> she might have mentioned this, but I might have forgotten because again, but, uh, great, cheese, but fuck yes. I will talk about 2012 at any given moment.
2: There you go. So perfect. Uh, yeah. We can't wait to talk about that uh, with you and Jordan. Yes. Billy Ray. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know that you have to jump, so we thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it.
0: Always happy to come on and chat. And we,
2: uh, we look forward to talking with you guys again soon on Mike.